I'm behind him. So, you know, following me back out of the woods, I'm in front, he's behind me. So, uh, you know, I keep looking over my shoulder to make sure he's close. And we get back to the ramp to, or the little hill, I should say, to come back out of the woods. And uh, that's when I realized my dad's car was gone so we could go back home. Welcome to my podcast, Making a Way, a podcast created to encourage, inspire, and inform our listeners. Today, we have one topic that's uh, common in my area of expertise, family law. As everyone knows, I'm an attorney, mediator, and parent coordinator. I practice family law in Maryland. Today, we have two guests. Um, they are children uh, and one of them is a child um, of a parents that were divorced. And the other one um, is a child uh, from a marriage that was very toxic. So those two guests are here to talk to us about their experiences. And of course, we have our favorite co-host, Jessica Zarella here. Jessica, tell all listeners who you are what you do. Sure. Uh, Good afternoon, Sandy. Thank you so much again for having me. My name is Jessica Zarella, and um, I have my own law firm in Rockville where I practice criminal defense and family law, um, which I have done for a few years after uh, leaving the Montgomery County State's Attorney's Office, where I was a felony prosecutor for about 12 years. Okay. And then, of course, we have Monica. Hi, I work at Ms. Guzman's law firm, and I mentor at several ministries around the DMV area. Okay. So... In order to get started, um, talking about the impact of divorce or toxic marriages on children, let me begin with Brittany. Can you please identify yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Brittany Jackson. I'm the daughter of Miss Jackson, who you previously had previously had on one of your shows. Um, I'm just here to talk about my parents' relationship overall. It's uh, effects throughout my childhood and how they're arguing, bickering, fighting, whatever you want to call it, uh, had an effect on me growing up and probably still affects me even into adulthood. Thank you so much. And now, Lisa, tell me a little bit about yourself and why you're here. Uh, Hi, I'm Lisa. Um, I'm just here to talk about my parents were not divorced, but uh, separated several times over the years and had a very uh, toxic and um, unstable marriage throughout my entire life. Okay. So this is a topic that's really important for our listeners um, to hear about from children um, or as adults now looking back on their life as children, because I think that as parents, we always try to do the best for our kids and we always think that we're doing what's best for our kids. But sometimes I think that what we do may actually hurt them instead of help them. So one thing that I know uh, a lot of clients ask is, is this the right? move? Should I divorce? Should I stay? Is it for the kids? Um, So today I'll start with Brittany and I'll ask you this. Um, How old were you when your parents decided to get divorced? I was about 10 years old when my, well, when my parents got divorced, I would say I was, I was 23, but you know, the issues began around 10 years old, Um, watching them fight, bicker, argue. Um, Sometimes it would be even physical altercations that like I would try to keep my younger brother from witnessing or seeing so I'd take him outside um, just try to get him out of the house and away from the situation so he really didn't realize what was going on okay so let me um, recap that so you're 10 years old right and your little brother is how old at the time uh, if I was 10 he would have been six Okay, so at that point, your parents are arguing. Now, tell me about one particular time where the argument you recall as a 10-year-old was so bad, and what did you do? Um, Well, we lived in a a split four-year home. I remember... um, we were down, me and my brother were down in the basement. Um, my parents' room was just right across the way. And uh, they were screaming and yelling at each other. And, you know, we were watching TV. So the TV was loud enough that he didn't really catch on that they were yelling at each other. But I could hear it. So at the point where it got, you know, loud that I, I thought that he may hear it or may begin to hear it. I had uh, walked him upstairs and I'm like, come on, let's go to my room. Let's let's uh, let's let's play some music and let's dance. So I had this big uh, like 
you know, 2000, 1990 era studio, like a uh, stereo system that I, I turned on and I just blared it as loud as I could. And we danced and, you know, we pranced around as if nothing was going on. But, you know, right below us, they were literally going at each other's throats. So um, it got to the point to when I eventually heard the yelling um, coming up the stairs. So uh, our rooms were just at the end of the hallway. I walked him back towards like the front door, towards the kitchen. And um, right off of the kitchen, our, our deck uh, led out into the backyard so we went that way and I'm like come on let's go get on our bikes let's go let's go race our bikes down the street so we we ran out the back door and he had no idea you know he's just like oh I'm gonna beat you you know he grabbed his bike and he's running it around to the front of the house and I'm like oh gosh I just hope he doesn't hear anything so I'm following him I'm like yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you down the street so you know we we eventually get like out in front of the house in front of the driveway we both jump on our bikes and he's like okay I'm like Ready, set, go. But on go, I know I'm not moving. I'm looking at the house and he takes off because his whole thing is him just trying to beat me down the street. So eventually when he got far enough, um, I'm looking over my shoulder and I glance back and, you know, I can see that, like, they're still going at it and I can hear it. But, you know, I scream, I'm coming to get you just so, you know, he can keep pedaling. So we lived off of a a dead end street. And so he races down to the end of the cul-de-sac. But right at the end of the cul-de-sac, you could ride your bike up a little hill and go straight into the woods. So he, you know, he shoots up the hill and I shoot up behind him and he's like, oh, I wonder how far these woods go back. So it just got to a point where it was like, I just wanted to keep him out of the house. I mean, I didn't care where we went or how long we were there. Um, The whole purpose was just to remove him from that environment. So he's like, I wonder how far it goes back. So I'm like, let's go find out. And he's like, yeah, you know. So we walk further and further back into the woods and eventually he gets to the point where he's like, wow, you can see the next neighborhood. This is cool. Okay, let's go back home now. And then I'm like, uh, okay, let's go. So I'm behind him. So, you know, following me back out of the woods, I'm in front. He's behind me. So, uh, you know, I keep looking over my shoulder to make sure he's close. And we get back to the ramp to, or the little hill, I should say, to come back out of the woods. And uh, that's when I realized my dad's car was gone so we could go back home. So this was typical. Like, you took on some sort of adult role in this situation. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And how often would you hear the screaming and the yelling between your parents? Often. I mean, I I can remember dozens and maybe even more than that of times just of them fighting and me trying to get them out of the house and you know as I got older I could drive so that was great so I mean it became easier as you know I got older but you know he also was more aware did you see them swing at each other or anything physical well that day I did um the story I had just told you but um not too many other times. I mean, I remember being younger and my mom calling the police and um, domestic violence incidents and him being locked up and stuff. But um, that day in particular, yeah, no, they were violent. Were you scared when you watched these incidents? Did no. it bother you at all? No, I really wasn't worried about that. I wasn't concerned about that at all. My main concern was just how do I get him away from this so he doesn't see it? I just want to highlight how dangerous it is. Like, while the parents were fighting, she was just running away as far as she could get from home. And she was only 10 years old with a six years old. So it makes me think, what if a pedophile lived nearby? What if a pedophile drove by and just saw two little kids running away while the parents are concentrated in their argument and their anger and their frustration? They're not even thinking about where the kids where the kids are, <laughs> if they're being well taken care of. Or if, I mean, did they ever come back to you and say like, oh, sweetie, you know, what you heard wasn't what you think, we're okay, is that, no? Um, they would try uh, separately, like never together, really, and, and try to make it seem like it was okay, but I mean, when you see it happen right in front of you, it's just like, okay, I mean, nice try, but come mm-hmm. on now. Yeah. <laughs> you both know that's not true. Mm-hmm. So how many years was it, if you recall, that all this was going on and then when they finally decided we're getting a divorce? Um, so it it continued on for years. Um, 
the violence really stopped more so, you know, at around like 12. Um, but as I got older, you know, it, 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 it became less violence and more just like confrontation regarding infidelity and cheating and other women and things like that. So, um, they didn't really decide to get divorced until we were all of age. I mean, both of us were over 18. I was 23. My my younger brother was 19 at that time. And it was probably worse that we were older just because we knew what was going on. So what did you feel when they told you? What were your thoughts at that time when they said we're getting a divorce? So my dad actually um, had went missing that particular weekend. Um, It was like Christmas weekend. And he comes back from Atlanta with news that he is leaving my mom for his high school sweetheart that he reconnected with on Facebook. So it wasn't her. I remember that story. I should remember that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't her that initiated the whole, like, I'm leaving you thing. It was actually him, which was kind of shocking. You would think it would be her after all the years of cheating, but it was him. Mm-hmm. So what what did you feel once he said that? Were you sad? Were you angry? Did you care? Um, at that point, I was kind of like over it. It was just like, okay, whatever. I mean prove it kind of thing like Mm -hmm. we've been here before you guys have said you're leaving each other you never do it it's like okay sure you're gonna be with another woman congratulations so having heard this and experienced this for so long i guess in your childhood um do you think that's affected you as an adult oh definitely how how has it affected you um trust issues i don't I have a very, very low tolerance for um, dealing with nonsense in relationships. Um, I don't take too well to, like, disrespect. Um, just, I guess, watching my mom being called names and them go back and forth and call each other names. Um And generally when I notice things like this, even in like relationships as being an adult now, it's like um, I'm very quick to just be like, okay, that's enough. Uh, I appreciate you coming. Uh, Congratulations. We're going to enter all your information into the system here. Have a nice day. Here's your last paycheck. Um, Thank you for being a part of this company, (laughs) but you're fired. (laughs) So you have low tolerance. Once a guy messes up, like even once, you're done. I'm done. That's Mm -hmm. it. Don't come back. Don't call me. Forget I exist. I mean, did you think your mom tolerated too much? Oh, definitely. Way too much. Um, I remember even telling her as a child, like, why don't you just leave? Just go. Just leave. And she's like, no, you know, you don't understand. It's, It's money issues. It's this. It's that. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, my God, I never want to I never want to be in a situation where. I depend on someone the way she depends on my dad or I'm relying on someone to take care of me so much so that I can't get out of something that's like toxic or damaging. Mm-hmm. So is is that a motivator, though, in some ways? I mean, I, that you're self-reliant and independent. Um, is there any good that came out of that? Um, yes and no. Uh, it, it's very helpful in a sense that like, I can I can do a lot of things that I know a lot of people can't do. I can change my own tires. I can fix my own car. I can do a lot of these things because, like, my dad never taught me those things. It was always just uh, figure it out the best way you know how or, um, you know, if you want something done right, you're, you know, do it yourself. Don't don't wait on anybody to do anything for you. So in a way, yeah, it's very positive. But then. As a woman, it also has its downfalls because a lot of men want to be wanted. They want to be needed, right? Mm -hmm. They want you to be like, oh, honey, (laughs) save me. I can't change change my my tire. tire. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. So it's just like when I get a flat, it's like, oh, well. I'll, you know, change my clothes and I'll change this flat and I go on with the rest of my day. So, okay. You know, right. I, I think Brittany's putting a really positive spin on it. Um, but kind of what she's not saying is it really leads to like a lack of emotional openness. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and again, not speaking for her, but in her situation, right, is really common. But what normally comes out of it is women learn to be more passive, right? They learn that this is how women are supposed to be treated. And men learn to be more aggressive. Men learn through viewing domestic violence that this is how women are supposed to be treated. And, um, you know, even it sounds like Brittany did the best she can with a really bad situation, putting a very positive spin on it. It At some point, meaningful relationships require themselves to to lend both partners being emotionally open and maybe there's a little less of Brittany willing to give that sort of portion of herself because she was taught that men are not supposed to be relied on mm-hmm. yeah that makes definitely sense. no it, that's a very great point to bring up it's a lot of um closed walls and just um, you know, if if you put a guy in front of me, it's probably like a 20-foot concrete wall. And it's like, good luck. There's no holes. There's no footholds. There's no hand, anything. Get up the wall the best way you know how. And if you can make it over, then uh, congratulations, you win. But so far, it's not the case. <laughs> what other ways, if, if any, do you think um, you've been affected? And what other ways? Um, relationships in general just aren't an interest for me i mean i can i can be in a relationship but i it it always in a sense like jessica said it it always ends with some type of like you're not emotional enough or i never know what you're thinking or you're not communicating with me or you're so cold that i can't understand like where i stand in your life and you tell me you love me or you tell me you like me a lot and at the same time your actions are just kind of very standoffish and Hmm. don't approach me at all yeah Did you ever get therapy to deal with a lot of these issues? As a child, um, I know my parents tried to take us once. I don't really think um, the session went too great. It was like uh, for divorced couples. Um, But at the time, you know, my parents are still together. They're still going at each other's throats. So that wasn't very helpful. Um, But as an adult, I've probably I just recently started therapy, probably uh, January of this year. And um, it's been very helpful, but it's also, like, helped me realize just how bad of a situation that I'm, like, really in as far as, like, emotionally and, like, regular, like, emotional responses that a normal person should have that I just, I completely lack. Um, And I guess you can say I turned a lot of that off as a way to deal with some of the trauma and the situations that I've been through just as a way to just cope and survive and move on. And, you know, it it became a point of, I value my logic over my emotions. And that is what I wanted to lead me instead of just like making an emotional decision about, oh my God, I just want to cry. Or, oh my God, I just want to scream. It's like, okay, crying and screaming isn't going to get you anywhere. So now what? What do we do from here? Where do we go? So it was a general just trying to cope all together, but um, it, yeah, definitely Mm -hmm. screwed me up. So do you think you should have, looking back, do you think that you should have started therapy sooner? Either that or my parents probably should have just removed themselves from one another. Um, One of the two. Uh, The fact that they try to, like, keep it together for us and try to stay together for the kids. And, oh, we want to make it work for the kids and the kids will be better if we stay together. So not true. So, Brittany, I'm curious. Are you looking into have a relationship in the future is that something that you want to do do you want to try to fix yourself to be able to give the opportunity for a partner to come into your life or do you just see yourself lonely and enjoying how capable you are to do everything like very sufficient so it's interesting you say that because I'm actually like right now struggling with that exact issue um I'm having a problem with uh, like I said, being being told that I'm closed off, I'm cold, I'm, I'm emotionless, like I, I don't know how to handle you or I don't know how to take you or I don't know if I'm going to get a happy Britney or am I going to get a sad Britney today? Like, I don't know where you're going to be at emotionally. Like, and so it's kind of difficult. Um, and, and like I said, I'm struggling with this exact issue right now, trying to move forward. But at the same time, I'm still having the issue of like, 
I don't need you to do that. I don't want you to do that. I didn't ask that of you. And it's like, you don't have to ask that of someone that actually, you know, cares for you. But the struggle is them trying to, or I should say, he's trying to move forward. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> I so, know that may sound so weird, but. So, so what's your reaction? Let's say you have a boyfriend and he goes out of his way, right, to impress you. So he's doing things for you. Um, Just looking at your face (laughs) says a lot. So what do you feel about it? What's your... What's your instinct when he does things like that? I'm trying to think of an example. Maybe you ladies can think of an example. Like, I'll get like, her flowers and invite her to a romantic Puts dinner. gas in your car because he notices that, like, you know, you're low. I mean, I guess that's nice. But, I mean, it's not like a, oh, my God, you put gas in my car. That's so great. It's like, okay, thanks for the gas. I appreciate it. Or, like, like Monica has said, flowers. It's like flowers you feel awkward what it makes I- you feel awkward yeah. and you don't know how to react towards it that happens to me too because really? i'm not able to express my affections like inside of me i'm like oh my god jumping and so excited right. but then what really comes out of me sometimes a tone doesn't even say mm-hmm. the right thing or it doesn't react the right way like yeah. you said it's just like oh flowers thanks mm-hmm <laughs> Ask that her makes about sense. the opposite situation. What if somebody's not super nice to you? They kind of treat question. you like. Yeah, I, I, my ex wife no. is just like this. Uh, <laughs> He's like trying to get there with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they do the good things, the gas in the car, all the details, the mariachis for birthdays or whatever. They don't feel, I guess, it's, that they just, deserve it or something. Uh, uh, but if you're really cold and whatever, then you have their attention. I don't I couldn't deal with it. Or is it that your dad only did nice things for your mom when he was trying to make up for something? So there's a so, there's like a subconscious yeah. or an unconscious part of it that's, that's like, what did you get away with that I don't know about? That's probably it. Or so it's a what trust are you, issue? Yeah. Or what are you trying to get from, from me, me by being so thing. nice to yeah. me? That, yeah. That. Is that what you're feeling? Like, yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you this. So the question was that we um, were wondering is when someone um, treats you like, you know, you don't matter, right? Or like doesn't do anything for you. What's your reaction? Is that comfortable for you? It doesn't faze me at all. I have no reaction. It's just like, okay, screw me. Got it. Thanks. And that's just it. I'm moving on. It's not like I'm going to sit there and be like, oh my God, I can't believe he didn't like even bother to like say hello and give me a kiss when he came through the door. Be- because you, you? Didn't, you didn't let yourself get attached enough yeah. in the first place mm-hmm. to care. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You expected it. You knew it was coming. And I'm going to get you before you get me. Right? Like, yes. you know, that that's the sort of... Um, self-sabotage. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's... It, it, I, you know, though, I don't know. It's not self-sabotage. It's, it's, it's self-preservation and because, because that's what she saw that's what she learned right even if there were good days between mom and dad there were bad days to follow and that that's the domestic violence cycle okay um there's an explosion okay and then there's an apology and then the partners are walking on eggshells and then there's a build-up there's a build-up there's a build-up all these little tiny passive aggressive things until there's another explosion and when you're a kid and you're looking at mom and dad right the two people that are supposed to teach you how to relate to one another in a healthy way this is what you're realizing so with Brittany she only got the good when it was sort of in payment for the bad Mm -hmm. and that's what she learned so when somebody offered her something good she's either thinking what have you done that I don't know Mm -hmm. about or what are you trying to make up for or what are you trying to get from me and it it it's common. It is the cycle of domestic violence. And it sounds like, Brittany, you're doing slightly better, right, than your mom did for you. You're not in a situation where there are children now modeling this behavior, right? You've closed yourself off, so you've prevented that from going on at this time. But, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, maybe Brittany, with her therapy, becomes emotionally able to 
be with somebody who then, you know, she can have a child and perpetuate a family that breaks that cycle, right? Part of what's good, if there's anything good about this, is she recognizes what she doesn't want. She recognizes what is not good enough for her. And unfortunately, right now, she's not in a position to give herself something good. So maybe she's giving herself nothing at all. I want to like highlight the fact that she did shut down her feelings. And I see it as a point of view of a child who grew up in an abusive childhood because we want as a little kid to get love from our parents. And if that's not what we're seeing, then what I see is that she just completely shut down her feelings and her emotions so she wouldn't feel anything towards what was happening and at home and decided to focus her energy into taking care of her younger brother to prevent him from shutting down his feelings because she knew that everything that was going around there that she was aware of was hurting her emotionally. So now I see that that is reflecting into whoever she meets. If she meets somebody, I just rather not turn on my emotions or make time for you to get attached because at the end of the day, I don't know if it's going to be worth it or not. So how old are you now? 28. Okay, so have you ever been broken up with and then you're hurt? <laughs> Has that ever happened? Never. Um, really? That's ha- that's hard for me to believe. I thought everybody's heart has had been broken at some point in I've my life. I've been told I don't have one. Wow. <laughs> so that's actually happened a couple times where I've been I've been dumped and then like after the fact my re- my response is literally okay. It's like you're cold, you're heartless. <laughs> Can't believe this. Can't Gosh. believe I wasted my time with you and it's like sorry. And I I think looking back, there's nothing those guys could have done. No. Really. I mean, it wasn't them. It was like you had some work to do. Yeah. You know, and until you do that work, it's really just going to be a vicious cycle. Yeah. It's a a little bit of a lost cause. Mm -hmm. I'm trying really hard to. No, it's great. I mean, but. And what 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 happened this year that you're all of a sudden, this is the year I'm going to deal with this? Um, just realizing that uh the way i react to certain things and the way that i process different things isn't normal mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's not but did how... someone make you realize that did something happen that you're like oh i mean just thinking um not really i think it, it's it was really just a conversation with some of my friends and they were all sitting around saying how they had been to therapy and how it's been so helpful to them. And, you know, nobody's, like, childhood could even get close to mine. So they're like, oh, it's so beneficial. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. Like, I'm realizing all these bad things about myself. And I'm just like, wow, these people don't even have, like, screwed up childhoods. If they're saying that therapy was, like, super beneficial for, me, for them, like, what would it be like for me if I went and, like, actually talked to someone about all this craziness mm-hmm. that I've been through. Mm-hmm. So now leading into Lisa, you said that um, your parents, are they still married? Yeah, uh, okay. my parents are still married. They uh, they still live in the house that uh, we moved to in Atlanta, Georgia, in the suburbs of Atlanta. Um, but, you know, I am a uh, middle child of three daughters. And, um, y- you know, my parents, my entire childhood was... Uh, uh, you know, it was them fighting. You know, mm-hmm. I never, what the first, I remember the first time I went to a friend's house, like maybe in middle school, and I witnessed her parents together, and I was like, oh, these people are supposed to love each other. These people are actually supposed to like each other. Like, that was like, that was to me a, a new concept. You had not seen a couple that, like, was nice to each other, kind to each other. No, ne- never. I mean, my my parents were not were not affectionate. They never, you know. All, my mom did things for my dad, but it always seemed to me because that's what a wife does for a husband. Um, and my dad never did anything for anybody other than mm-hmm. himself, you know. So for him, his obligation as a as a father and a and a husband was met when he brought his paycheck home. And made sure the bills got paid. 
and that was it. My, I mean, and even then, my mother handled all the financials. She paid all the bills. You know, the money was in the account, and it was her job to make sure everyone got paid and clothed and fed and all those things, and that was the relationship they had. So did you get a sense that your mom was happy with that arrangement at all? No, never, never. I never, and, uh, you know, one of the biggest things I took away, just like uh, Brittany said, one of the biggest things I took away from my parents' marriage is that I did not want to become my mother. I did not want my mother's relationship or my mother's life. And that's, you know, one, been, you know, one of those leading and motivating things in my life. So how has um, growing up in that really in that environment affected you as an adult? How old are you now? I am 26. Okay, so how has it affected you growing up, like with relationships? Um, I mean, with my relationships and not just romantic relationships, but all relationships for me are hard because I am not a person to state my needs or to just like just like Brittany uh, to ask anyone for anything. So it, it makes any kind of relationship hard, friendships, romantic relationships hard because people like to feel that they are giving as much as they're getting in a relationship especially if it's going to be a good relationship right um and it's it's something i've struggled with i've also been told like you don't you're not letting me give anything in this relationship and one of the things that's one of the things that's happened to me repeatedly is i i i i end up in a situation where i feel like i'm giving and giving and giving and not getting anything but also that's just as much my fault because the person gets used to accepting from me and not and me not accepting anything back. So that's, you know, that's where you end up. And then it. Yeah. So what were you thinking as a kid when I mean, what was their relationship like besides the fact that your dad, you know, you're saying is working, working and your mom feels like that's. Role uh, in life, yeah. Like, I mean, did they argue? Did they fight? Did yeah, they have they, bad they situations? Fought, they fought all the time, like constantly. My dad uh, is an alcoholic. He's still an alcoholic, um, and he drank all the time. Uh, when we were growing up, the first ten years of my life, we lived in New York, close to family. So, his drinking seemed like a social thing, and it wasn't until we moved away from my family that we realized he's oh he's an alcoholic. He drinks alone. He drinks. To get drunk and he can't he can't drink unless he's getting drunk um and that was something we realized i was about 14 when we came to that realization um and looking back at that point i was like oh this has been going on my whole life my entire life um so they they fought constantly i mean they were never never you know on on good terms really i mean there were good times but not really like not between them themselves it's not like they ever did anything on their own or they ever you know were affectionate or anything like that um my like i said my dad is a drinker and he wasn't usually violent but he was aggressive so if they would get into fights he wouldn't hit her but he'd break a chair like he'd break furniture or something like that and and, you went to the extreme like you saw your dad being violent and aggressive and you're like way passive yeah definitely i think that's fair um my 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 experience was that i was a middle child and i became the emotional rock of the family so everything when everything was in chaos i have an older sister and she kind of she she internalized everything a different way and she kind of went you know self-destructive and and a little bit wild when she was younger so my reaction to everything going on around me was to be the calm one to be the reasonable one to uh you know everything is fine everybody take a deep breath we're gonna we're gonna handle this and so you I suppress never, your own yeah, like absolutely. emotions i never allowed myself to, to have an others. emotional reaction to anything um and that was something if i had to have an emotional reaction to something it i removed myself and i you know dealt with it by myself so do you feel like people take advantage of you sometimes because of i guess yeah, you, I do you're perceived less as- now i have uh uh like like Brittany uh I have sought therapy so I've been seeing uh someone for the past couple years consistently um but you know less now 
that I'm no more self-aware, uh, which really helps a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I have felt like I've been taken advantage of in the past in relationships. You know, it, it's just so it's so sad that the damage that we do to each other that then as adults, the first step is right. They have to have to recognize it. Brittany and Lisa recognize that there's damage. And then you literally have to go sit with another adult and pay them to undo it. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's really sad. And Brittany's comment too, like oh, all my friends are in therapy. Right. And you saying they didn't have it half as bad as I did. And certainly I'm not making any judgment on that. Wow. But like it, it really is almost like everybody kind of has it bad. Um, and it's it's unusual. And it, from my own, it, for getting away from the kids for a second, my own personal experience was with friends of mine, adult friends of mine, thinking that people had wonderful marriages and being like, oh my God, those people are so happy. Their marriage is so amazing. And then you find out, there's all kinds of problems. You just never know. Like you never know what family of origin someone comes from and what trauma went on in their family yeah. of origin. You never know, right, if they went off to college, what kind of trauma they went through, sexual assault, actual abuse, drug use, substance abuse that they went through on their own as a young adult. And then you just never know what goes on in kind of people's marriages. So as parents, right, you would hope that because there is an element of stigma kind of still attached to divorce. It's very normative, right? But you don't want to be the first one in your group to get divorced, right? So maybe that's yeah. the reason you stay together for the kids. There is absolutely an element of selfishness in that very moniker, right? We're going to make it work for the kids, right? And I think study after study bears out that doesn't work. You know what I mean? All you're doing is bearing that trauma and sort of delaying the inevitable. Um, and there is no good time. Right? It's not good. There's no good time when they're three years old. It's not a good time when they're 23 years old. Like yeah. what Brittany said, there's never a good time. Um, there might be less collateral damage, but Brittany's case came with 23 years of damage before she undid it. I would, you know, Brittany, do you, do you wish that they would have gotten a divorce earlier? Absolutely. And I even remember as a child telling my mom, like, leave him, leave, just leave. Right. And her just trying to explain how hard it was and how you have to find somewhere to live. You know, my dad was the breadwinner. So, you know, she she was, you know, second as far as the money came in. And so she was worried about providing and how that would look. And, you know, she didn't have her own father growing up. So I feel like that also played a role as well. Like, oh, I didn't have my dad growing up. So I want my I want that for my kids at all costs and it at it, all costs. Yeah, absolutely yeah. ruined. it. I mean, mm -hmm. some people do one thing, even though it's bad for them, because they want that one thing. Like I've known people yeah. that stay in a marriage because they're like, I don't want to end up old and alone. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah. and that's exactly. and they end up alone, like alone. Uh, and, yeah. And, yeah. Old and old and alone anyway. Like the whole time you're fighting to keep something that's not good for you. Well, that's like, because people are broken. And one thing that I notice that human beings do is, okay, I'm broken. I'm sad. Let me try to find somebody to make me like feel whole and happy. And that doesn't work. You cannot join another person the rest of your life if you're miserable. You need to first fix your issues and become and a stable person and I'm gonna a happy need, I'm going to need therapy after this. <laughs> yeah. And a happy person uh, before you can actually come and have issues with somebody else. You cannot expect the other person to make you happy the entire time because then when that person is not a beat or 100% or it's going through like trials and tribulations, then that's going to affect you. You need to be stable and strong and that way you can help each other but not depend your happiness from the other person. So, so I feel like everybody has obviously something that happened in their childhood that either you've dealt with or you haven't dealt with it. And I think that, you know, when you're talking about finally getting into therapy and stuff, I think that that's great because you're sort of like facing the issue, mm -hmm. you know, where I think maybe your dad, for whatever reason, who was it? Your dad, right? Yeah. Lisa, who drank, right? Yeah. To numb something. Oh, yeah. I don't even know. But obviously he didn't deal with the issue. Had he dealt with whatever was, you know, an issue. I don't know if you ever knew what that issue was. Did you get a sense of? What um, is I mean, I always sensed he was he 
was definitely always very damaged. I mean, he had a really rough childhood. Um, they were he grew up very poor. Um, he, you know, when he was a teenager, he went to jail for six months. This is in um, in Colombia. Um, you know, he he walking out of a bar one day got shot. He he was shot twice. Um, so he you know he took a bullet to the jaw where his whole you know he lost his top teeth. So he has no top teeth. Another one to his. Um, his chest where he was almost shot in the heart and these are this is trauma that he never dealt with but these are things that he self-medicated with alcohol he couldn't he had no other way of dealing with that Um, but Sandy's question was like Lisa do you know why and Lisa's like do I (laughs) I mean yeah yeah yeah. how much time do you have do I like like and and he's he's always he's a very isolated person and one of the reasons I think my mother has never left him is because she fears that to leave him by himself will be to kill him she feels and so for him to die mm-hmm. by himself and she can't she can't do that because he's not going to reach out to anybody he has mm-hmm. no relationships with anybody he has no emotional connections to anybody and i don't think that my mom could ever bring myself to to let him just mm-hmm. uh, you know leave him right. alone somewhere right. so he like basically numbs his feelings oh yeah by the absolutely and i feel like that's abuse. i mean most people like a lot of people that we heard of you know that we hear about like you know they get addicted to you know, substances like yeah. alcohol or drugs or something, right? Because that's makes them feel better. They don't want to deal with it. They don't mm-hmm. want to. It's not that it makes them feel better. You just don't want to go back and replay the moment because all of those moments or memories are still in your heart and you're trying to just avoid the feelings and the emotions. So what you do is just numb all of it by... You know, whatever doing do. drugs, I alcohol. I think, you know, for my dad, one of the things I always noticed was he was actually more available when he was drunk. So he would drink and that was the only time I could sit down and talk to him. And he would tell me stories of his childhood. Um, so that's when he talked about his dad and he had a, a lot of trauma and, and stuff surrounding his own father. That um, And that's when he would tell me stories about his childhood. And, and he idolized his dad so much. And uh, he, you know, there, there was some stuff there that I can't even get into. But um, you know that, that that was his own trauma and that was stuff that he he never he has never addressed and will will never address mm-hmm. at this point you know um and and if in that case you know like like monica was saying you can't take two damaged people mm-hmm. because my mother also has her own sorts of trauma um and put them together and expect a functional relationship it was never going to happen mm-hmm. you know my mom married my dad because that's what you did and in a and she comes from a long line of women who never left terrible husbands you know you didn't do it you didn't leave your husband you married him and that's the life you created and that's what you have and to, that's what to you be make fair, the best of next week it has to be a bunch of men with terrible wives <laughs> Like, so we can be fair. So we can be fair to the process. It's going to have to be a bunch of men with terrible wives. The guests will be my husband, Sandy's husband, to talk about why they don't clean the pool. Yeah. That's next week's episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was good. That was really good. I think um, where you were going with the financial situation with your mom, a lot of people stay in their relationships because mm-hmm. the women don't feel like they can make it on their own. Yep. Did your Oh yeah, I think my, my parents definitely stayed somebody in the together. Uh, maybe go back to it because I think you talked about that. Before. Yeah, you talked about right. that. Someone so talked about that before that, that it was a, mm-hmm. a thing, and this should definitely be another topic. The, the whole addiction thing mm-hmm. uh, that you bring in an expert. Uh, yeah, this is a great conversation. The only thing we need is um, Kevin, uh, an expert, an expert, on- yeah. and a little levity because I'm about to kill myself. <laughs> Like, I'm about to basically be like, no one should get married. Yeah, no married. one should have oh, kids. Let's talk about that. Let's talk like, about that. We need to be at a point where everybody got to take a personality test before they can have kids. And it's just so, like, you, she's right. Like, you can just trace it back. And so much of the money is generational. It was stand by your man, right? Yeah. My parents are in their 80s. My and, right? 
just, women just didn't do it. They didn't, didn't they yeah. didn't leave husbands. You didn't do it because you didn't have any money. All they could do was what? You could be a secretary or you could mm-hmm. be a teacher's aide, right? Not even a teacher. And so Lisa, talk a little bit about that, about the, you know, so much of what your mom's identity, right, was wrapped up in was financial with your dad and providing. Um, and did you, did you get a sense that it was lack of opportunity for your mom that kept her with your dad? And did your mom ever try to offer you more opportunity as a young woman so maybe you wouldn't have sort of the same limitations? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think my mom felt, especially early on when we were when we were little, that she couldn't leave my dad because of the, uh, you know, financial situation. My parents together, their combined income makes enough for us to have a stable roof over our head, not luxurious or anything, but, you know, we were, we grew up okay. Um, but, you know, I don't think my mom ever felt that if she were to leave him, she could provide everything we needed, especially when we were little. You know, as we got older, it became less and less of a valid excuse. Um, but, you know, that was definitely a factor for her. And one of the things that uh, was very important to her, my, my parents uh, did not go to college. So I'm a first generation um child of immigrants um you know first first person to go to college in my in my family i have one older cousin who also went to college uh so there's not very many of us and that was you know a dream for them for for me to go to school and and I never felt, my mother always went out of her way to make sure that I never felt pressured to marry or to, to, to get a man, to start a family. That's not something she went out of her way to do the opposite of pressuring me to do that. You know, she was like, do whatever you want, do whatever makes you happy. Like, you know, I moved away from my family two years ago uh, on my own. I, I just picked up and was like, you know what, I'm going to try something new. And I moved up here to, to, to Maryland um, just because I could, because I had no no obligation to be anywhere else that I, you know. And that's something that she really, I appreciate that she gave me, that she never made me feel like I had to be with someone and uh, that I had to, you know, give her grandchildren or anything like that. So do you, do you too, Brittany and Lisa, do you aspire to get married? What do you think of marriage? <laughs> I don't You're know. Laughing, so. I mean, I uh, I personally go back and forth a lot. I mean, to sh- I, one thing that I do know is that I, growing up, I saw my mother basically take care of my father in a way that I felt it was not an equal relationship, and that's something I don't want. Right? I I I always say like, uh, you know, over my dead body, and am I am I gonna do my husband's laundry or freaking <laughs> iron his clothes? It's not gonna happen. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I know maybe it's generational, whatever. Over my dead body, like I'm not. So you would feel to, like you're subservient if you're like ironing a shirt for him, it's, or it's not quite. I think the expectation okay. of that. Not that I wouldn't do it out of the kindness of my heart, but right, like I care about you. I'm going to do this for you. But the expectation that that is my job and my okay. position in this household is to you do You want to have an option. Yeah, absolutely. My mother, you know, my mother worked a full-time job and then came home and cooked every night and took care of three kids. Like that that was what she did. And for me, uh, that was a life I didn't want. I didn't want to feel like that was my obligation mm-hmm. to serve to serve my husband dinner, to have dinner on the table, because if he was hungry, he was going to get mad if he got home from work. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this just didn't... Marriage, good thing, bad thing? Uh, I go back and forth. Okay. <laughs> I right. haven't settled so, on a final. Right. So, Lisa, okay. you will never see yourself, let's say, marrying a rich man who gives you the opportunity to just ah. stay home as a housewife. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, okay, as yeah. a joke, absolutely, I want to marry no, a rich man and do nothing. No, but, like, if he tells you, don't no. work, just stay home and raise my children. I can't. I can no, never. I, I, I did it for, like, that. a no. year or two, and if I was I miserable. Why don't no. we all calm down there? Okay. <laughs> I can't if he do goes it. ahead and 
assigns it over to me into a trust fund, non-marital, my name only. Yes, if we're talking about and, and adjusting for inflation as the years of the marriage go on, not a problem. However many kids you'd like, sign here, sign here, open the account, Jay-Z's name only, not a problem, sir. How about you, Brittany? Uh, Feelings yeah, about Brittany. marriage. Absolutely not. Really? <laughs> so Feelings dry. about kids. Ooh. Nah. I have two nephews that are hellions. Nope. <laughs> no. Okay. On that front. <laughs> I'm good with those two. They give me enough gray hairs. We're cool. Mm. They stressed me out this weekend. And by the time they left at 2 o'clock, after being dropped off at 10, I realized I was not married for this at all. Uh, I could not imagine being 28 years mm-hmm. old with two kids under the age of five. I'd probably rip my head off. I might sound cold right now, but I encourage people who don't want to get married and have kids. We're overpopulated right now. <laughs> what? We are overpopulated. You know, and, and listen, there is something to be said for... Don't do it because you think you have to, right? right? Correct. Don't no, do I agree it because with that. Mm-hmm. you think that's what women are supposed to do yeah, or right. all your friends are doing so it, it's right? right? For you. Th- that's a whole movement. People are mm-hmm. plenty happy being aunts and uncles and having dogs and not getting married. It's going that way, right? Plenty of kids are not getting kids. Listen to me, I'm so old. Plenty of yeah. people are not getting married. They're just not doing it. They don't see the reason to. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they have a kid, right? It's still an easy out. Um, you're still going to get some of the attendant trauma that comes with a separation, but financially it's not going to be as messy. Um, legally, it's not going to be as messy. And people don't own the big homes anymore. They have a condo or they have an apartment that they rent. And, you know, maybe we need to consider, right, is Lisa and Brittany's generation more cognizant, because they're 10 years behind where I am. Are they more cognizant of the unresolved trauma? And are they more cognizant of just knowing that they saw something that they don't want? And right or wrong, they equate that with marriage, Mm -hmm. okay? And they simply say, if no marriage, then no problems. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I can. Mm-hmm. I can date. Nodding, so that right. I, think, yeah. I can date. That's I can have. Feel. I'm open to having kids. There's no stigma now to having kids and not and not being married. married. Yeah, There's yeah. no stigma to not wanting the big house. Um, just like Monica said, right? We're overpopulated. Plenty. That's a that's a mainstream. Uh, thought now. I'm not going to have any kids because it's not good for the carbon footprint. I have plenty of nieces and nephews. I get everything I need out of that from 9 to 5 on a Saturday and then by 10 o'clock I'm out with my girlfriends. Like yeah. There's, yeah. Right, yeah. There's, there's something to be said for that and I can't help but think it's that that generation recognizes all the issues that come with marriage and say like, like Brittany says thanks but no thanks. Right well Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, Brittany and Lisa, for sharing your stories. I think that um, you sharing will help a lot of listeners and people. Um, I think that parents who hear this will realize some of the harm that they could be causing or can cause their children and maybe do something different. And maybe kids or adults that are in your situation now can hear your stories and get inspired to maybe seek therapy or start to understand that if the last five people have told them something like, hey, you're cold, there might be an issue to deal with, right? So uh, thank you so much. I know it's not easy. Um, And also, Jessica, thank you for your brilliant insight. Thank you, Sandy. Always nice to hear. And then Monica, thanks for all those awesome questions. And we will speak again on another issue related to family on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.